Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Why So Serious with your host, Marcus Sunberg. And today I just want to be talking about who I am and what this podcast is all about. So here we go. I am the youngest of six kids. I grew up in the church. My parents were actually pastors and missionaries. They graduated from Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. And my dad actually won the Preacher Boys contest in his senior year in 1985. And he took a job of a youth group in Chicago and started building churches after that. And they moved to Canada after Chicago. And that's where I was born. And then they moved to Michigan and they built a church and were just kind of living their life, doing their thing, doing the ministry work. And... They had a missionary friend invite them to do a conference in Brazil, I think around 2001. And it was just an interesting story because my dad, he had a a friend at church who actually came up to him and said, hey, don't you go off and become a missionary or anything like that and move to Brazil and leave us here at Grace Baptist Church. And my dad said, never, it's never going to happen. Not a chance. Well, never say never, right? So next thing you know, he goes to Brazil. We're all there with him as a family. And I remember very clearly, I would have been about seven or eight. I remember this moment. They pulled us all into a room and they said, kids, we really feel like we may be called to move here. Would y'all be in agreement with that? Is that something that y'all would be interested in doing? And we all unanimously said, yes, you know, it's exciting. You know what I mean? We're in a foreign land. We've never all been to a foreign land like this. And It was a really good time. People got saved. I mean, it was just a dynamic moment. And so we, we all agreed. We all said yes. And it it came together. And so we started raising support. And actually as a family, we got a Dodge Astro, which I guess we already had the Dodge Astros Burgundy. I think it was a 1999 or something. Maybe it was a 1990. Who knows? I don't remember. But anyways, it was that square van and, and all eight of us drove in that thing and visited 60 churches in one year. I mean, this was, this was a lot. I mean, we lived in this van and we all have funny stories about it. I remember getting into fights with our siblings and we, we would have to wash the other siblings feet, things of this sort. And it was just, it was just a wild time. We stayed at tons of people's houses and campers. And I mean, I wish we had bought a camper to actually do the deputation because Visiting that many churches and living in a van was, it was, it was tight. It was real tight. I'm impressed that my parents were able to make that happen, but, but both my parents are real go-getters to this day. They're both real go-getters. And so they can really kind of make some stuff happen and they have, they have dynamic personalities. And so I'm really thankful for that because I've, you know, it's been something that's poured out in us kids as well. You know, just a general grace that we, we're kind of, we, we tend to try to go get stuff. We're go-getters as a family, you know. Well, anywho, so we we moved to Brazil, and this is where the story gets a little darker and a little more challenged, a little more difficult, is my, uh, my dad starts struggling um, with old vices, and he and my mom fight a lot more, and the mission field just becomes a real tragedy after after three four years and we come off the mission field 
Uh, my dad goes to rehab for alcohol, and my parents end up splitting up. I'm 12, 13. Maria Rose, which is the oldest, Maria Rose would have been, she's nine years old, she's 20, 21. She was about to graduate from Bob Jones herself with two degrees. You know what I mean? She made it in, I think in five years, she got two degrees in five years. So that's what I'm talking about. Like we just, that's kind of can be our family. We try to make some stuff happen. And it was just a difficult, difficult time. You know, at 12, 13, I went through this just really de- depressing phase of life. And it, it was a real challenge. It really, it really hurt me deeply. And I always kind of blamed that depression on myself. But just a few weeks ago, actually, I figured out, I was like, oh my gosh, like I was deeply, I was processing subconsciously things that I could not understand. I was sad that my family had broken up, you know, but you can't voice that when you're a kid. You don't even understand what's happening to you. And so you sit on, you sit on a couch and watch TV. You don't want to hang out with friends, or at least this was for me. Some, some people may express it differently, but this is how I expressed it. I sat on a couch and I watch TV and movies day in and day out. And that was just a really tough time. But by the time I turned about 15 years old, I, I started doing drugs and started drinking more heavily. And, and honestly, it did some good for me. Like I felt free from some of the, some boundaries and barriers that were holding me back. I felt like, obviously I started getting friends and started becoming cool and I thought oh yeah now this is the moment and I I got my own life I'm gonna be my own man I started thinking you know I'm this adult I'm this big guy you know 15 16 you think you own the world it's weird I mean it's just crazy how we think that when we're young that we're, we're running the world and we're grown adults now I look at 14 15 16 year olds and I'm like wow these people are still babies. They're so young. I mean, they don't understand much about the world, you know, and it's just wild how much we think we understand at that age and that we're just short-sighted in that moment. And and that's okay. It's not, you know, that's just how, how it works at that point of life for most of us. Well, so I'm doing drugs. I'm doing my thing. And I started to come to a place where I started to believe and say that God's not real. God doesn't exist. Jesus isn't real. The Bible isn't real. And this is really because I didn't want to be accountable to anybody but myself. You know, obviously I grew up in the church. So if I'm accountable to God, then I'm accountable for my actions. And I just, I just came to a place where it's like, it's not real. I can do whatever I want. It's no big deal. I don't know what the truth is, but maybe the universe itself is God. You know, I started believing pantheism. <laughs> and you start doing drugs and you get caught up in that current and that lifestyle, which is, you know, let love be love and just the liberty of all, man. That's what it's all about. And that's kind of what I did for a while. But it, there's this just this nagging sense that he there was this nagging sense of my life that there's there's something more than just that there's something more like look look around look at the natural attributes like is that really all there is am I really just gonna go into the earth I mean how did a creator not create this eyeball you know what I mean and there's just there there's so many things if you just look around that that can be eye-opening that there's something more out there and and there's just there's eternity written on our hearts which is what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and it's like, 
we can't refute that. that like there, there's this sense with the human race that there's eternity written on our hearts. And so I just, I couldn't fully escape that reality. And so I looked up one day in the sky and I just said, God, if you're real, if you're really, really real, then, then I don't want to live this way. Then you can't let me live this way. I don't want to live this way if you're real. And I said, show me that you're real. Well, nothing happened that night. But a few weeks later, and I, 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 I was kind of trying to search a little. You know, I picked up a Bible. I was trying to find what religion. But, I, but I, I thought it was probably Jesus. But I was like, just show me. Whoever you are, God, if you're real, show me. And I will vow to you every drop. I didn't know that he would take that vow pretty seriously. But he came through a few weeks later. And I... I uh, I got locked out of my sister's house because I, I, I showed up way too late because I was doing dumb stuff. And I had to walk home in the middle of the night, like two and a half, three hours. And I'm walking home and I I just am talking to the Lord. I'm praying. And, you know, I had a lot of hurts and pains that I was starting to process about the divorce, about things that I felt like had been taken from me, my own fears, things like this that I was sharing to God. And I, I open up the verse of the day. It's about 2 a.m. And it's Psalms 103, 2 through 5. And for the first time ever, and I had read through the whole Bible, for the first time ever, I felt like God himself was talking to me. Like God spoke directly to all the stuff that I was saying in a moment. And it just was like, whoa, oh my goodness. I bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord who heals all of your diseases, who forgives all of your iniquities, who redeems your life from the pit of destruction, who crowns you with good things or and with tender mercies and who satisfies your mouth with good things and renews your youth like the eagles. And so I just was super touched. I start crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, like God totally spoke directly to all the things that I was feeling in a way that I'd never quite understood, you know? And I just said like, I finally, I met him. I met the author of the book, you know, I met the author of the Bible and it touched me in a special, special way. He, I felt like he told me to go to college. I started going to a Christian university, but I was still struggling with drugs and alcohol and so I was praying, you know, because I was like, I felt called to the ministry. You know, I felt called to the ministry since I was a kid. I remember when I was five years old, you know, my dad was a pastor. So part of it was that, but it was more than that because lots of pastor's kids don't feel called to the ministry. But ever since I was little, I felt called. So one day my mom came to dress me up Sunday morning and she said, how, what do you want to wear? How do you, well, how do you want to be dressed? And I said, mom, dress me up in that green suit dress me up like a pastor and uh, I had this little green suit and so she dressed me up and I was in that green suit and I was like one day I'm gonna be a pastor and by God's grace here I am I'm 28 and I am a pastor um, of a little church called North Parish Sanctuary and I just bless the Lord for the the parish he's given to me the people he's put before me and we're just a little small community on the hills of South Carolina and in Traveler's Rest. And I've been going to the church for 10 years and I've been ordained since 2017. 
And I just thank the Lord for that. But where am I? I'm, I'm going to North Greenville. I'm still on drugs. Maybe not every day, but I, I knew I needed to be set free. And I couldn't really tell the people around me because I was afraid of getting kicked out. I mean, I probably could have gotten help from them, if I'm honest, but I was afraid of getting kicked out if I told people. So anyways, I was just praying internally, Lord, please, I need you to set me free. I need you to do something special in my life so that I can actually do the things that I feel like you've asked me to do. And I got high one night and went downtown after work, and I was working at Red Lobster as a busser and and they make you you know they make you dress up i got a nice white collar tee black pants you know i'm looking up to par and i'm high i'm walking downtown i'm with some friends and we're going to some club whatever and as we're walking there's a group of people playing worship music in the corner well not in the corner they're on the side of a street and it just it really touches me and I was like, man, I really should worship with these people and leave my friends. But I was like, I am not about to leave my friends. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. What would they think? What would they say? How can I, you know? And I was like, I'm not doing it. So we walked by, but it, man, it gripped me. And I told the Lord in my heart as we walked, I said, you know what, Lord? I don't want to leave my friends. I'm afraid to do that. But I tell you what, if we turn around, I'll leave my friends and I'll worship you with these random people that I don't know. Within 30 seconds, some dude, which he was wrong anyways, but he says, everything up here is closed, man. We need to turn back around, go someplace down the road. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is it. So my heart starts beating a million miles a second. You know what I mean? We turn around and I did it. I told my friends, I said, you know, guys, you can do whatever you want, but I'm actually going to just worship the Lord right here. And they were so cool about it. Like they didn't care. One of the guys stayed with me, but they hadn't, they couldn't have cared less what I was going to do. They're like, yeah, go for it. That's cool. We'll see you later. So anyways, I'm worshiping, listening to the music of this guy. And next thing I know, this, this guy in scrubs comes up to me and he starts talking to me, asking me questions about my life, who I am, what I'm going to do. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to North Greenville University. I'm studying to be a pastor and a missionary. God has called me, all this stuff. You know what I mean? Projecting that I'm going to be some, the next great thing ever. And <laughs> next thing I know he just looks at me and he goes, wow, that's, that's really cool. That's really amazing. You know that? And he goes, but you're struggling with things, aren't you? And I'm a little taken back and I'm like, yeah, I am. And he goes, you're struggling with X, Y, and Z, aren't you? And I said, how do you know that? He named a couple of things very specifically that I was struggling with, mainly drugs, but things that I was struggling with. And I said, how do you know that? Can you see it? Smell it? Like, what? How do you know? And he says, No, the Lord just told me. The Lord just showed me. And he goes, Do you want to be free? And I said, Yes, I do. And he said, Let me pray for you. And so he, he starts, he lays his hands on me and he starts praying for me. And next thing I know, I'm shaking and trembling. I mean, the electricity of God's going through my body and I'm like what is happening to me right now uh, but whatever's happening to me is so amazing that I'm, I'm not saying a word he's asking me questions I'm not answering any of them and I hear him tell somebody he go he's he's in bliss right now and I'm like that is it 
And I was like, that's, I'm in bliss right now. Like I am where I'm supposed to be. Like I, I am touching God, like the very thing I was created for. And it was, it was more amazing than any drug that I've ever done. And I was just like, I have to know this God that moves, that breathes, that touches people today. I mean, it just, it changed me. And I was like, I have to know that God, whatever it takes. I didn't know God talks like that today, but I got to know him. I didn't know God touched people like that today, but I got to know him. You know, there's that Bible verse in Psalms 34 where it says, um, come taste and see that the Lord is good. And there's that verse in Psalm 16 that says, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God created pleasure. He created all of these things. He created it all. And so I needed to know that at that time, that God was more dynamic than drugs and then all the pleasure in the world that it's actually it's his power that that produces that and so that that was a a very special moment for me and it's it's totally changed my life and the gentleman who was praying for me is actually my pastor his name's Hal Turpin and he uh He's still my pastor, and uh, he's he's really he's mentored me, and he has touched me in a very special way in my life, um, and and helped me grow. So he's been a spiritual father to me, and uh, and he's really helped me see that life is something to cultivate. Life is something that is beautiful, and that life is something that is serious. And so that's really where the the name comes from. Why so serious? It's obviously a play on words, but and what that is is I'm a generation Y, and so that's why it's not the word Y, but it's it's the letter Y. I'm a generation Y. I'm a millennial. I'm a young guy, and you know a lot of young people are living for life today, doing whatever they want to do per se. Not every last one of them, but you understand. There's a there's a um, a huge movement towards. Uh, that type of living. And really what this podcast is about is that the Bible is something to believe in. The Bible has extremely valid reasons to believe in it. Jesus, who I believe is completely real and reveals himself all over the place and has done amazing things, has incredibly valid reasons. I'm not just believing in something in the sky. And there's a way to view the Bible that that understands that we have to take our 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 uh, our choices, our works, and our deeds seriously, and that we are living for the next age and not this age. And so, like on a personal note, I I don't drink, I don't smoke, I try to stay as far away from secular music and secular movies as I can. That doesn't mean that I don't listen to secular music. I do listen to some. And I do watch some things here and there. I watched The Hobbit uh, at the end of 2022. I think those are the only movies I watched in 2022, though. So I'm not a big movie guy. And I, I try to stay away from things that are going to indoctrinate me into unbelief. And so I, I just I take... The Bible seriously, I take Jesus seriously, I take life seriously, and 
I, I want to encourage, in particular, young people to do the same. You know, it's really easy to just follow the, the streams going the opposite way right now. You know, the Bible is bondage and, and God's laws are bondage, which Psalms 2 says would happen. You know, we, we, we can cast off restraint. We can do whatever we want. We are our own gods. And, and Jesus is up there and in Psalms 2, it says that he laughs. And at one point, he's going to reveal himself in a very special way and bring the nations to nothing and show that, no, 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 what he talked about and what he said matters. And so I just think the Bible explains our world better than any other philosophy, any other ideology, period. I mean, if you just look at it, and I'm not the only person that's come to that conclusion. I mean, great, great minds have come to that conclusion. Uh, and I can give you two, Derek Prince and C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis both came to faith by realizing that the Bible explains our world better than everything else. And... I, I just want to encourage young people to, to reach for that and to see that there are other young people living a life, believing in the Bible, and, and doing certain things so that they can show up to the meeting that we're all going to face. Hebrews says that it is appointed unto man once to live, to die, and then to face the judgment. And so there's a day we're going to stand before the Lord and I want to stand before the Lord and hear words like, well done, good and faithful servant. And you're not going to do that by, by buying into what tons of Christians that I grew up with are buying into where it's like, we have been, because Jesus died for us, we're free to do whatever we want. And it's like, when you read the Bible, you read the New Testament, the Old Testament, that, that, that's nowhere to be found. Yes, we are we are saved by grace and through faith and it's not of works, which is in Ephesians, but it says that we're going to be rewarded according to our works. We're going to be judged according to our works and and James says that faith without works is dead. And so it's meaningless. And so there's a there's two parts at play. There's God's part, which is impossible. Like it says that he died for us while we were yet sinners. And it says that we only love him because he first loved us. But then there is our part. Philippians says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so there is an aspect. Jesus said, strive for the narrow way for broad is the gate that leads to hell and narrow is the way that leads to life. And he says, strive to enter the narrow way. And so I want to strive to enter the narrow way. I want to strive to have a life that is found pleasing when I come before him. And I just believe that there's a lot of people that, that, that aren't necessarily hearing that message a lot. There's a lot of people that's like, hey, Jesus died for our sins. We're free and we are free. Um, it is not by works that we're saved. But God didn't set us free to go do whatever we want. And that's what Paul says. That was his big tiff with the Jews. And we can talk all about that later on in different episodes. But this episode is just to say that the coolest thing that any of us can do is actually follow Jesus the way that he told us to follow him, to be his disciple. The most dynamic, 
impactful, meaningful life that you can have, that I can have, is to follow him. And I want to encourage young people in particular, but anybody who's listening, I want to encourage all of us to really reach for him and to give it our all because that's what he gave to us. He literally poured out his blood, poured out his life so that you could know him and walk with him. So not not so that you can go off and do whatever the heck you want to do and be like, yeah, I'm a, I got to get out of hell free card. That's ridiculous. That is not why Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you so that he could be your friend, so that you could be his friend, really, which is crazy. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be my friend. Insane thought just to really take into perspective. You know, like I heard a guy say, like, boring God wants to be a friend to dynamic me. And it's like, no, 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 that's, it's actually reverse. Amazing God wants to be a friend to boring me. And that's just a dynamic thing. And so I, I, I want to take life seriously and I want to encourage lots of other people to actually do the same because you'll actually enjoy life more than ever. Jesus, and this is what I'm going to finish with. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have in, in John 15, he goes, I have spoken all of these things so that your joy may be full so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And what you have in all the stuff that we see, this is what I got was talking about with secular music and secular movies, like too much of it. I'm not saying don't do any of it. That's why I, I, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to all those things. But if you get too much of that stuff in your life, you crowd out the space that God wants to fill. And you only have so much energy. You, almost ha- you only have so much focus, so much time. And so I want to open up space for God. I want to open up space for his narrative and not the narrative of unbelief, not the narrative of this world, not the narrative of what others may be pushing, but I want to hear what God's pushing. I want to hear his narrative, his story, and I want to encourage all of us to do the same because we'll actually find the life of joy that he created us for. It says that he's the author and finisher of our faith. And what I have found in a, for a lot of people is that the book that God's written about their lives, they never enter into in a special way. They don't even make it to chapter one. You know, they're still living in the table of contents or the introduction, wherever, but they, they don't actually live in the pages that he's written for them. And that's a tragedy that I don't want for you and that I don't want for me. And so come with me on this journey and I'll see you next week.